the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, family, friends, hallelujah, Ron Geyer back again, faithfully with End Time Insights. Getting ready, start a new year, closing out this year. It's exciting. Uh, We're looking forward to all the celebrations and everything. But I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to talk about? What do you want me to say? And so he came up with this, what are you looking for? And this is a great, great topic for the church. What are you looking for? Heading into the holiday week, we'll be meeting with friends and relatives, just like everybody else, but more so than normal. Come to the end of the year, and that's what we do. And on New Year's, people will be sharing their resolutions, their goals, their hopes, and their dreams for 2024. But we as a church, we need to be sharing what we're looking for as well. What are we looking for? What are our expectations? And then we will need to connect those truths with the understanding that what things we are looking for should be the things that we are living for. And basically that is true about everybody. Whatever you're looking for, you're going to be living for those things. That's the good side. On the opposite side, people on the fence who are backslidden or haven't really committed to the cause of Christ, or even people who might be in outright rebellion to the Lord God by rejecting his Messiah, the Lord Jesus, they have a future that one would not wish to look for, yet it's there anyway. So before I go into what the Christian church should be looking for, what things we're told to be waiting for, what are our expectations, I want to let you know what the expectations for those who fall into those categories of either being backslidden or rejecting or cold or just lazy or have drifted away towards Christ What is their expectation? Well, Hebrews 10.26 lays it out. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but only a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. And uh, I'm going to add in there the adversaries of God, okay? It's our job as Christians to press home the point The gospel point, that salvation is a must. It is not an option, guys. You must be born again. And in my view, most desperately important to those who claim to know him, but don't live for him. You've got to understand, you can't get on the fence anymore. God is using Israel to help mankind choose sides. Just recently, we're losing people in our higher education systems because they haven't dealt with the anti-Semitism on our college campuses, and people are making choices. Those who don't know God are making wrong choices. It's our job to press home the point, the gospel point, that salvation is a must. Why? 
Hebrews 10.32, because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I mean, this is some hard stuff here. And this is what the expectation of those who don't have a relationship with God can expect to find. You know, with that in mind, then, I want to prepare you and give you some spiritual ammo if you're going to sit there and talk to your families at the holidays or your friends at your gatherings. First Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Do it respectfully, recognizing that you're held accountable to give a loving, true answer to the people that have questions for you. The Amplified of 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. Always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Remember, the message is always truth and the, the motive is always love. So then let's look at four things that we are to be looking ahead for as Christians, okay? Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the very first thing in Scripture that we're supposed to be looking for, that we're looking ahead to, that our hope is based on, is that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus It's found in Titus. We are to be ever looking for our great blessed hope, which is none other than God himself, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. He is the answer to the point that we make in 1 Peter 3.15. Remember, we talked about it, that sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. Well, the answer for the hope is that Jesus is that hope, and it's his glorious appearing of our great Savior that we are looking for. I love it. He is the reason for our hope. He is that blessed hope. Not just any hope, not worldly hope, Bible hope. And the Bible hope and the world's hope are different. In the world, there's an element of failure that's present, right? Hope in the Bible means something different than hope in the world. Hope in the world has an element of failure to it that's not present in biblical hope. The worldly hope says, well, uh, I hope I get a promotion or I hope that she says yes to my invitation to go on a date or something like that. You may not get that date. You may not get that promotion, but Bible hope is different. It isn't based on chance or facts or circumstances or the stars perhaps aligning or any other such scenario. Bible hope is a person. It is based on the immutability of God. Nothing can ever alter what's been written or promised. Bible hope never has an element of failure to it or in it. It is based on the pure truth and the perfect divine aspect of the Godhead. He is faithful and true. He simply cannot fail. Dave Gusek, he of the Enduring Word Commentary, writes concerning our call to be looking for and to keep waiting and anticipating expectantly for what's ahead. He writes, Looking for indicates that Christians should live in an active expectation of the return of Christ. You know, I remember growing up as a little kid, we anticipated Santa coming on Christmas. And it was a special time, I'm sure, for every kid. And yeah, I mean, it was great. And I grew up with a brother in my home above me, a brother in my home below me, my sister. So there were four of us. 
while I was a kid in our home, and it was great. We'd go to bed all expectant, excited, anticipating that we'd wake up in the morning because Santa had been there, there'd be presents under the tree, and never were we disappointed. Mom and Dad kept that fantasy, as it were, at that time alive. And so it's that same expectation now as an adult that is keeping us waiting on the edge of our seats. You know, the Bible says all the earth groans in anticipation, awaiting the manifestation of the children of God, of the sons of God, when we attain to our glorious position with Christ Jesus. Well, we are looking forward in that same manner to the return of Jesus Christ. And it should be precious for Christians to consider. Number one, uh, Jesus came the first time to save the soul of man. He will come a second time to resurrect the body of man. He came the first time to a crucifixion. He will come a second time to a coronation. He came the first time to a tree. He will come a second time to a throne. He came the first time in humility. He will come a second time in glory. He came the first time and was judged by men. Well, he will come a second time to judge all men. Yes, this is what the blessed hope will look like when he returns. All his promises will come true. If we will keep these truths in mind, looking forward to them, we will never be disappointed. Don't forget, our waiting, it's an expectant waiting, and it's hopeful. And the greatest thing about it, when I was growing up, I hope my dad will take me to the ball game. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Uh, Friday night, Catholics, we didn't eat fish, okay? Well, I hope that we'll get pizza instead of fish. And so, but sometimes I got fish, sometimes I got pizza. With Christ, there will be no failure to his promises. Everything that he said will happen when he said it, exactly as it said it. And if we will keep this truth in mind, we will remain forward-looking people. We'll never be disappointed. The second aspect of our faith that we are to be looking for is in Hebrews. And once more, our vision is to be Christ-centered and Christ-forward. Remember, Paul wrote, uh, forgetting those things that are behind, but pressing forward to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we're looking forward. There are things ahead that are I'm anticipating, as the whole church is anticipating, that will be the fulfillment of the promises of God that he talked about. Many think all these promises now have been fulfilled, that we're already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're with him. We got everything we're going to get. No, we haven't begun to sniff the things that are ours in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2a, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I love it because Jesus not only gives us a head start, pushing us into faith, but he also promises to finish that faith. And I especially love the promise. He starts us out, he gets us going, and he pushes us like a father teaching a kid how to ride a bike or like a parent teaching a child how to swim. He gets us going. He pushes us out into the narrow way. But he promises he's going to finish the task. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. I am looking for that glorious day when my faith is complete. Hallelujah. So for that reason, we not only are to be looking for Jesus, but we are to be looking to Jesus as well. Yes, he's already gotten our life of faith started. That's a done deal. But to finish our faith requires us to remain in him and looking unto him to complete that which he has already begun in us. But notice, it's not us necessarily that he is going to finish. It's our faith that he promises to finish. It's got a start to it, and it's got an end to it. And what is that end? 
if you read in Hebrews further, it talks about the salvation of our souls, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And that's what it's all about. The most precious thing I have, what I am is my soul. The most precious gift that I've been given to ensure that the salvation of my soul is my faith. We need to guard our faith, but God promised, Jesus promised he would complete it if we will look unto him, if we will remain in him. It's the strength of our relationship and the source of our fellowship, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You need faith. You need it daily. You must. You cannot approach God without faith. Those that believe him, like he's right here, it's impossible to please him without faith. You must come to him, recognizing he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You don't seek God on your spare time. It is the priority in your life. Hebrews 11.33, this is what the Jews had. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness and they obtained promises. And they stopped the mouth of lions. But I want to go back to they obtain the promises through faith. That's what we're here for. We are obtaining the promises of God through faith. We are receiving the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls through faith. The promises, the things that we're looking ahead to, our blessed hope, these are all obtained through faith. Notice Israel was able to access the hope of the promises made to them through faith. It will be no different for us, saints. Faith is the process of operation for everything pertaining to God and Christ. By faith, we will keep looking ahead unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, knowing that his promises are true, every single one of them. The ones that ensure our future salvation, the ones that guarantee today's blessings, as well as the ones that demand our obedience and require our service. Oh, and by the way, also the ones that will allow God to grow us and to mold us his way, without murmuring and doubting and complaining and kicking and screaming all the way into glory. So we're talking about what Christians look forward to. And the third one is Second Peter 3.12, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord. And who wrote this? This is, I got this from, I didn't give the guy, I didn't give the guy credit. I'm sorry. Well, I got this out of precept, Austin. Maybe the writer will come to me as I'm reading it. So basically looking, that is the Greek, it's prostekoio, and it literally means it's, it's the idea of a mental direction that already exists, and then you add the word dokeo to prose. Prose means towards, and dokeo means direction, looking for or denoting the direction of one's mind toward something. It means literally to look forward, toward, to wait for, to look for, to anticipate. It means to give thought to something that is the future. And that's what God is telling us. That is what Paul is writing to us about. We are forward-looking people. In the context that whether one does this looking or waiting in a hopeful sense, with a longing, yes, even with a fear, with anxiety, living in suspense about what's ahead, or in a neutral state of mind, it describes the attitude saints should have as anticipating, waiting with watchfulness, being in expectation. Of course, that's about the return of Christ. That's about Jesus being our blessed hope. All of these are what we are anticipating in front of us. 
we're saved. We've got that. Amen. Now we work out our salvation. You cannot save yourself through works. No, it's a gift of God. It's free. Yet you must work to keep it. And that's where there's a little bit of a misunderstanding there. Looking unto the hastings and the return of Christ. It's not just looking, but it's also hurrying up, hastening. Everything we are doing is goal-oriented to the bringing about the fulfillment of this expectation. And what is the expectation? The coming day of the Lord. Peter is constantly connecting, looking, with waiting and watching. They go together. Why? First Thessalonians 5, 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day of his return should overtake you as a thief. Remember Second Peter 3, verse 12, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord. Now, God's already got it planned. He knows when it's happening, but we still have a job to do, an expectation that we can literally hasten that coming of the Lord by being obedient to him, by making sure that we're watching out for ourselves, that we're keeping our souls and our flesh under by keeping our souls in fellowship with God. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. When we are looking for the fulfillment of the promises of God that results in us being prepared for whatever comes. Why? That's why they go together, waiting and looking. They go together. We believe the word of God. We are prepared. Godly looking results in godly living. Very important. When you are looking for the things of God that you're supposed to be looking for, when you are looking for the return of Christ, when you are looking for the hope, Jesus Christ, when you were looking for and hastening unto the coming day of the Lord, when you were doing all that, that will result, godly looking results in godly living. J. Vernon McGee, he writes this way, the purpose of prophetic truth is not speculation, but motivation. Yes, this stuff should be motivating you guys. McGee continues, it is unfortunate when people run from one prophetic conference to another, filling their notebooks, marking their Bibles, drawing their charts, and yet not living their lives to the glory of God. Argument, this is me now, arguments and doctrines, false teachers and false prophets are not only keeping us from becoming one, they are taking our eyes off of the truth. So important. But they are taking our eyes specifically off the truth. That is not necessarily how or when he comes that's important, but why he is coming. He's coming because he said he would. And for me, that's enough. I must be ready. What does hastening look like? Mm, Good question. We don't hasten the day in an absolute sense. Uh, Piper writes, we don't hasten the day in an absolute sense because Acts teaches us that Father, he's already got fixed times and reasons and seasons by his own authority when he's coming. And Jesus said in Mark 13 that the Father knows the hour of his son's return. But from our vantage point, we can hasten that day by fulfilling the preconditions of Christ's return, namely, preaching the gospel to all nations and preaching repentance to the full number of the Gentiles who must come in before the end. Because this is still the time of the Gentile saints, right? The Jew, the opportunity for salvation to the Jew will be in the tribulation. It's also the judgment of the Jew. But, you know, I love it because you've got the gospel that we preach, which gives an opportunity for people to get saved. You've got the call for repentance, which gives the opportunity for people to get saved. You've got the goodness of God, which leads to repentance, which gives people the opportunity to get saved. But for the Jew who's rejected God, they must get saved under judgment. And judgment also is offered to us in the church during these times. I mean, so many judgments are in the earth right now, and those judgments are designed to bring us to our knees, to recognize that God is alive and active in our lives. 
the judgment of God. God is known by the judgments which he executes. And so for the Jew, they will have to learn about who he is and know who he is, not under grace because they rejected him, but they will have to learn about him in judgment. It's terrible, but at the end of the day, it works. And so, Lord, we appreciate your plan. We love your plan in Jesus' name. So evidently, Peter believes that lives of holiness and godliness will indeed fulfill these conditions, which will indeed hasten the day of the Lord. And then there's Jude, the last one. I have the fourth one. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for what? Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I like that. We keep ourselves in the love of God. How? We keep ourselves in the love of God when we obey him. It's real simple. His love breeds obedience in our lives towards him. You must understand that. His love towards us, his love in us, us in his love breeds obedience in our lives towards him. Don't be fooled. The evidence of God's love in our lives will be manifested by our obedience to him. Looking for the mercy of the Lord. I think that's great. Mercy. It's new every morning, right? How good is that? Imagine walking through this life. And this is, I love this. Imagine walking through this life in the middle of the sin and the wickedness, the depravity, the hatred, the perversion, the violence, and the evil. You're walking in the earth today, and that's what you're surrounded out. Yet in the midst of all that, you're seeing it all touched by the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Looking for that mercy, praying for that mercy, hoping for that mercy, showing forth the mercy of God in our lives towards each other. And we do that through personal forgiveness. Amen. Personal grace, giving grace. We aren't letting this fallen world's filth touch us. But in Christ's love, we are rising above it and touching it with the love and the mercy of God, waiting for that mercy to show up in other people's lives. Rather than anticipating the judgment that is here now with God's wrath fast on its heels, we are looking for the mercy of the Lord. Yes, I know judgment is here. I know that wrath is coming. I know that. But I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the mercy of the Lord. Why? James 2.13. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. But to the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Oh, that's great. There's going to be one thing, hallelujah, that's going to bring people to Christ in these last days as we undergo judgment after judgment after judgment after judgment, whether it's 9-11, whether it's Katrina, whether it's COVID. I mean, whatever the judgment of God is, California wildfires, Obama as our president, AIDS, homosexuality, all of these are judgments on our nation. Well, whatever that judgment is, the Bible says mercy can triumph over it for the one who shows mercy. They are preparing the future lives to receive the mercy of God. If one wishes for the mercy of God, they must show the mercy of God, right? Uh, where I just read that before. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Basically, if you don't show mercy, you're not going to get mercy. But the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. You can be judged by God, but one way to avoid that is to show mercy to other people. God lays it all out for us to be victorious. He wants us to be saved. He takes no joy in his judgment. He takes no joy in when somebody dies and goes to hell. That brings God no glory. Amen. The glory of God is people coming to know him of their own free will. That's why we offer mercy to those who are under the judgment of God. 
we are not only looking for and waiting for this mercy, we are demonstrating this mercy in hopes that people will receive it and escape the judgment that's upon them, upon us. It's part of our witness for Christ. It also further evidences that we have stayed in the love of God. Abiding in the love of God inspires us, and it enables us to love just like him. Remember, godly looking results in godly living. I love that phrase. I didn't come up with it. Somebody else came up with it. Godly looking results in godly living. I pray that you keep your eyes on him. I pray that you stay in the love of Christ. I pray that you are looking at the things that you're supposed to be looking at. This world will distract you. All the rampant sin and wickedness and evil, all the lack of proper judgment, the lawlessness that's in our land, they can take our eyes off of Christ, but you cannot be distracted. The Word of God says, keep in the love of God all the while you are looking for the mercy of God because mercy triumphs over judgment. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.